Welcome to Wine Connoisseurs Rex Podcast from Psalm for the Day. It's another podcast that, like all other podcasts, is different than the rest. This is a podcast for people who like wine, want to like wine, or actually stop liking wine because people can be too annoying about it. I'm your host, Edward Cunley, and now it's time for another episode of Wine Connoisseurs Rex. Welcome back to another episode of Wine C-Rex, as I have decided to change or shorthand it to. Uh, I actually let ChatGPT write the intro, and it wanted me to say, welcome, wine enthusiasts, to another delightful episode of Wine C-Rex. I'll use the rest because it is fun, but that was just a little bit uh, not me. Today, we embark on an exciting journey into the world of Shiraz and Syrah, two names, one grape, with stories that span continents and cultures. So this is a, a, a I'm doing this one quickly. Um, honestly, I didn't realize it was the fourth Thursday of July, which is a national or not even national, it's just Shiraz Day. Uh, could call it Syrah Day, but it is uh, Shiraz slash Syrah Day. And if you are a follower of mine on Instagram, you'll have noticed that I have actively uh, been posting some fun stuff about Shiraz and uh, trying to educate a little bit on a grape that I don't still think gets its due. It is a little too divisive. And if you hear squeaking in the background, that is a dog chewing a toy. Um, but I digress. So uh, I am eager to get this episode out. Uh, it is uh, towards the end of the day on the 27th. But the good news is, uh, it's funny. It's going to be out of... Out of uh, out of order, I recorded an episode yesterday about Cabernet, and it was supposed to kick off the series of wine grapes to just introduce the different ones to you all in a way that is very Psalm for the Day-esque, wine C-Rex-esque, where it is informative but not horribly annoying and gives you some stuff that you can walk away with and maybe apply to your wine world, wine life. Maybe not. Maybe you just listen to this and laugh and say, oh, what a fool. Uh, and I hope you say it in that uh, accent, which would be great. But anyway, we're going to dive into Shiraz slash Syrah. And why do I keep saying slash? Uh, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that it's the same grape. Shiraz and Syrah are the same grape. The naming is just used differently depending on where you are in the world. And we will get into kind of the origins of it. But uh, I don't really get into too much detail about where in the world it's Shiraz, Shiraz versus Syrah. And there's not an exact definitive way to perfectly break it all down. But broadly speaking, if you hear the term Syrah, it is from, uh, we'll call it an old world origin typically going to be uh, on French labels, or at least what they call the grape that's in the wine from a region that produces Syrah in France. Um, Italy will say Syrah for some of their Tuscan blends. Uh, Central coast of California, Paso Robles, those will say Syrah, but there are parts of California that actually say Shiraz. Um, I personally start to associate Syrah with more of the cooler climate versions of the grape and Shiraz as more of the warmer climate because Shiraz is also found uh, almost as famously as France. It is found down in Australia where they call it Shiraz and really where the Shiraz term took hold for the modern day version of Syrah Shiraz, but also in South Africa where you find them using the term Shiraz. So 
that's the fun high level of the breakdown of kind of where you hear it. Uh, I will absolutely go back and forth on saying those different names as we go through this episode, but they are literally synonymous. It is like saying I am Eddie and Edward, two different names, same goofy person. Um, uh, sidebar, Petit Sarah, not synonymous. Petit Sarah, I did actually just recently learn this, is the um, offspring grape of Syrah and some random ass grape that I don't even remember the name of. Um, that began with a P, so that kind of helped. So it's not that it's a smaller version of Syrah. It is a child of Syrah, sort of like Cabernet Sauvignon is a child of Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc. So uh, anyway, uh, today's episode is about Shiraz and Syrah has absolutely nothing to do with Petite Syrah because it's not the same grape. Uh, so if you hear me use them interchangeably, I'll do my best to say Syrah when referring to parts of the world that call it Syrah and Shiraz uh, similarly. Um, but whatever I say, it's the same freaking grape. Uh, so we're going to dive into the origins a little bit and uh, unravel some stories that have captivated wine lovers for centuries. Actually, we won't st- go too deep into stories. Um, legend has it, actually, although DNA testing uh, is proving that Syrah, the modern day Syrah grape, is from France, it is believed that Shiraz actually originated in the ancient city of Shiraz in Iran, in the Middle East, where uh, there was a flourishing um, agricultural scene. And this grape was used to produce uh, wine type products um, that were very rich and deep in their flavors. Um, But we do not drink uh, anything on the international stage from uh, really the Iran wine world. I don't even know if they produce wine anymore. Um, But uh, just so you know, the legend has a DNA testing says France legend says Shiraz. Um, I'm sure there's been a little bit of um, some historical documentation somewhere else. So we can dig into that. But the point of this is to talk about the grape we can actually drink and enjoy today. So it is now time to talk about where is it? So France, we've talked about this Australia, South Africa, the Americas Shiraz slash Syrah uh, really has conquered the world of wine. Um, it is it is not for the faint of heart. It is intense. Uh, it is peppery. It is a captivating experience to drink Syrah, um, but it is divisive. And uh, I, he always loves it. I have to. Um, I have a friend who's not a huge fan of Syrah, but we're always trying different things. And I, there's a country that we had a Syrah from uh, in the last few months uh, that I don't even really talk about on this episode. It's for, it was from Spain, and he's like, "Oh, this isn't too bad." which was great because uh, uh, he is a friend who's always willing to try new and different wines, um, putting a lot of trust in my decision-making when it comes to what we're putting in the glass that night. But we do have a nice running joke about, generally speaking, uh, if it's a single varietal production of Syrah, he's not a huge fan. Um, but we're going to get to why I'm not surprised about that, broadly speaking, but it is a, it's a, it's a fun grape to kind of uh, unravel here. So I'm actually glad that as much as it was fun to record Cabernet yesterday, Syrah kicking this off is a, a it's going to be a fun one. So uh, before we get too deep into this, though, of course, I have wine. Uh, and <laughs> surprise, surprise, it's a Syrah. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I've had this Syrah sitting at the house for a few years now. I got a deal on it um, uh, from a, a guy that does great deals called Reverse Wine Snob. I'm pretty sure he's still active online. Uh, but I bought this years ago. It's called Coupe. Q-U-P, 
E, uh, accent aigu in French, although I don't think Coupe is French. Um, I believe it is Native American. Um, yeah, actually it is. On the back of the label, it says Coupe is Native American Chumash word for California poppy. Um, this is an estate bottled Syrah. So I'm going to take a quick second on what that means. Estate bottled means they literally bottled it at the estate. And they've done a lot of, uh, actually, as a state bottled, it should be that they've done everything at the estate. Um, there's There can be a little bit of a difference between a state wine and a state bottled. Um, this could have been produced everywhere else and then they bottled it themselves. Um, but we're just going to go out on a limb and say, since it says uh, Bien Nacido Hillside Estate, Santa Maria Valley Estate bottled, what that typically means legally, you have to grow your grapes. You have to press your grapes, you have to ferment your must, and you have to bottle your wines all without leaving the comfort of your own estate. Uh, so that's, you know, it's, it's a great process. Um, it also adds cost because they don't get the benefit of sending it out to someone that can do it as an expert in a one-off capacity. You have to buy the equipment to do all of these things, have space for aging and storage and blah, 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 blah. So estate wines are typically pretty good, but they're also pretty uh, expensive. And a lot of the things that they are doing estate-wise, um, especially if it's just like the bottling part and some other less involved processes to influence the, fla the flavors and aromas, is uh, it's just, I'm going to sound like a jerk, but sometimes it's marketing. But uh, it's also usually they're not going to waste their time creating shitty uh, wines, but putting estate on it. So it's usually pretty good stuff. But estate doesn't guarantee that it's better than non-estate. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but anyway, so I'm drinking Coupe. I have not. I honestly, I've had haven't had a sip of this yet. I haven't had this in years. Um, it's actually winding down. Probably it's probably uh, a week past its peak. No, it's like right. It's 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 thinning out, which is actually good. I kind of like that. Um, uh, it is a managed alcohol content of thirteen and a half. It is not as warm as a. Barossa Shiraz, um, but you do get some really nice black fruit in there. Um, you'll get a little bit of uh, blackberry, black cherry uh, from the fruit itself. I'm not getting a lot of olive on this one, which olive comes off uh, later. Mm. Maybe a little bit of olive skin. I always get skin. I don't know why. Uh, it's a little bit smoother. The tannins are still nice, but they are integrated really well. Um, really great acid on this one, which I don't typically get. As I always feel like um, I want more acid out of a Syrah than I get. Um, Syrah is supposed to be a medium acid wine, so that's fine. Um, I don't need a lot out of it, but this one's nice. This one's uh, balanced. It's uh, cooler. It's got like a cooler climate element to it. I would say this is more in line with like a San Josef than it is uh, Australia or South African Shiraz. Uh, so I'd highly recommend uh, when you come over to my house, asking me to open up another bottle of the Coupe. Um, thank you to the Wine Folly folks, because they've got some really cool stuff that I would always recommend you check out. Um, for example, you can sell our Shiraz for 10 years, and this one is uh, 11 years aged. So we're right online with uh, this is um, a high quality wine that I'm really excited about. And it's a great way to kick off this uh, Syrah Shiraz um, conversation. So uh, yeah, that's cute pay is uh, when we're, when we're sitting down thinking about Syrah, 
Uh, for those of you that don't have a glass in front of you like I do, uh, this is going to be one of your darkest wines. It's going to be uh, intense. It's going to be opaque. It is uh, rich. Every time you stick your nose near the glass, you're going to smell it. Um, but that that's true. Even across when you get into the more Syrah, Syrah world, the Northern Rhone, um, the cooler parts of Central Coast. Uh, well, Central Coast is pretty cool, generally. Central um, Central Valley's hot. Uh, doesn't pretty well. They have some Syrah, but anyway, I digress. So uh, this is going to be, but it's it's cool. It's like when you see it, you can kind of know what you're about to taste and smell uh, if you really think about it. And we're going to talk a little bit about what you should expect in there. But I already listed some of it. You know, black cherries, blackberries, plums, um, those in those rich uh, fruits, those dark fruits that you're uh, used to seeing at the grocery store, at the the farmers market. And really, uh, it, this isn't one of these that you're going to be surprised by like, oh, I taste like a really bright red fruit. You don't taste a lot of red fruit. It does go towards the darker, richer side of things. Then you get some very interesting things that are um, from oak, uh, oak influence, uh, which most of these are going to be oaked. Um, and they will typically use French or American uh, oak. It can can it can be uh, it's an, an intense enough grape that you don't have to worry about the wild and wacky nature of new American oak completely taking over, but you'll get some clove, uh, and some cedar as you are enjoying a Syrah or a Shiraz. Uh, and like I've talked about with Syrah versus Shiraz and cooler and warmer climate, when we talk about the black fruit, I would say that when something is more labeled as a Syrah, you're going to get the ripe version of that. And in Shiraz, you're going to get the overripe, almost baked version. And a lot of that, and I'm not saying this is definitive, but I like to consider this. If you see a higher alcohol content on a Shiraz versus a Syrah, you are looking at something that had plenty of time to ripen itself on the vine. And the reason you have such a high ABV, alcohol by volume content, is because there's a lot of sugar in there because of the ripening process. Uh, and so all of that fermented to dry and meaning you have a high alcohol content, but it means you have very ripe fruit on the vine. And with that, you get very ripe fruit in the glass. So something to consider as you go into the Syrah world. Um, so I, I said, I wanted to talk to you about kind of the broad strokes of Shiraz and Syrah throughout uh, this conversation. And so when I say Shiraz, you're going to hear me start to talk about bold things and Syrah is going to be much more of that elegant finesse. And we're going to talk about all the regions of the world that produce, not all of them, but a lot of them, um, because it's also a fun one that I need you to know that Syrah is not Syrah is not Syrah. You can have different Syrahs, even from the same regions. Um, or if you don't like Shiraz, you shouldn't ignore Syrah and vice versa. And there's always room to find something new potentially or in a style that you just didn't even know existed, let alone had. So um, let's jump into a few more details. I already told you it's Shiraz Day. I'd like to call it Syrah Day, but whatever. Okay, Syrah, Syrah. Um, and it deserves time on the air. It is one of the top 10 grapes grown in the world. Uh, it is actually right, depending on kind of how things are going, right in the sixth to seventh spot, a few spots ahead of Pinot Noir, uh, which is much more prevalent in the marketplace these days, uh, at least on American grocery and most wine shop shelves, you will see a slightly higher ratio of Pinot to Syrah. Um, now, that said, it's a little bit more difficult because some stores will put all their pinots together but then they'll put australian wines together and french wines together um just so that the consumer knows how to shop some things or they might do uh syrah shiraz breakdown 
um, and then pinots scattered within. There's a bunch of different ways that it can be um, merchandised, um, but I just feel like sometimes it can be a little bit uh, less easy to understand. Um, especially if you only have like three SKUs of Shiraz, you're just going to throw it in the Australian section. You're not going to create a Shiraz Shiraz section for a handful of products. But anyway, I digress per usual. Um, and I said it's divisive, but it is also incredibly diverse. It can be a single varietal wine, um, a Syrah or Shiraz wine, or at least following the rules of the region where, you know, 85% of the wine has to be Syrah. Uh, so it may have a little bit of blend in there just to balance it out, but it is a quote unquote single varietal wine. Um, but it is also part of some of the most famous blends in the world. We will get into some of those in a little bit, but, uh, the Rhone Valley is world. Well, actually a lot of France is known for incredible blends and we don't, a lot of people don't even realize it. Uh, so we're going to talk about the Rhone Valley, um, specifically, uh, the Northern Rhone for the single varietal stuff. And as you move South into the Southern Rhone, the blends that they're associated with, um, they can be grown in cooler, relatively cooler climates. We're not talking, you know, England or Champagne, uh, but we are talking, for example, when I talk about San Joseph later and the Northern Rhone, that is about as North as you can get when it comes to being able to produce ripened Syrah, but it can also be grown in some of the hottest wine climates globally, for example, Barroso, Barossa, excuse me, and McLaren Vale. Uh, but they can all, it can also have great success when paired with white grapes like Viognier. Uh, even sparkling and rosé bottles, bottlings exist in great abundance. Uh, so I will highly recommend that you dig into Syrah. And I would not be surprised if you've had wines in the past that even though you don't like Syrah, you're like, oh, I really like that wine. Guess what? It might have Syrah in it. But for today, I have a nice still coupe, which is fantastic. So uh, if I had, actually, I probably do have a rosé of Syrah, or at least, yeah, I do actually. And we're going to talk about the producer in a minute, but Gigal uh, is a great producer of wine in France. And I've got their Cote de Rhone rosé, and I can pretty much guarantee it's got Syrah in it. So in the world of Syrah, some of the most well-known vineyards, vineyards are planted. I've said this about 40 times already, so let's make it 41 are planted in the Rhone Valley and also Australia. Uh, as we said earlier, the DNA testing leads us to believe that the Syrah grape originates in France, or at least the version we now know and love today or know and hate today. Um, but it has also made its way down to Australia, like many grapes, uh, specifically in the Barossa Valley and McLaren Vale. However, it has had hugely great success all over the world, including South Africa, California, specifically Central Coast and Paso Robles, although Napa and Sonoma do produce some great Syrahs. Uh, Oregon in Rogue Valley, Walla Walla, and which, by the way, Walla Walla dips just a little bit into Oregon and also is in Washington, uh, but Willamette. Uh, and then Washington State, again, Walla Walla and Columbia Valley. But then there's some surprising regions that, honestly, you, you may know it, and that's fine, like high fives all around if you do, uh, but countries like New Zealand, uh, and then Colchagua Valley, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I always do. Uh, in Chile and in Tuscany. So you've heard me talk about Super Tuscans thousands of times. This is a grape that can be found in many different Super Tuscans uh, around Bulgaria and a little bit more inland. Um, so and then I even mentioned uh, towards the top of the the, uh, the recording that there are great Syrahs in Spain. So it can kind of go wherever it's. Higher likelihood that if it's if a country grows grapes for wine, it could have Syrah. Whether or not they use it in abundance is a different story. But big, I mean, warmer, 
to hot countries growing grapes will most likely produce Syrah. And part of that is because the beauty of Syrah slash Syrahs is that it is a thick-skinned, less finicky grape. Pinot Noir, thin-skinned, kind of diva-esque. Um, this is thicker. It actually requires some considerable soaking uh, during the uh, production process. But the beauty of its skins, too, is that uh, it's the skins and the juice that create these incredibly dark musts and ultimately wines that have uh, pretty solid tannin structure. Not solid, like literally solids, but like awesome, great, intense, and also very full-bodied wines. Uh, it is known for its intensity on the palate, no matter where it's from, the intensity of something at the, the forefront of the palate, and then it finishes peppery. Uh, and when I say peppery, like green or black peppercorn peppery, not um, not pyrazine, like green bell pepper. I'm talking like, would you like pepper on your salad pepper? And depending where you are in the world, uh, when I said intense, France and Italy will be much more herbally intense. Uh, so herbs, uh, you'll get some, maybe even some rosemary or thyme. While in Australia, South Africa, and the US, it'll be much more fruit forward. Its aromas and flavors <laughs> have... Uh, then there was a wine enthusiast article from years ago where they quoted somebody who said that it could be described as uh, from blue flowers to leaf smoke, smoked meat, bone and fur, burnt rubber and pigskin, likening it to the inventory of a sadist's pantry. That's weird and somewhat odd. And these are extreme descriptions, but the normal ones aren't always what you would think of when it comes to red wine. And we touched on this a little bit. You're waiting to hear you know, str strawberry or cranberry, raspberry, blackberry, vanilla, dill, um, oak, you know, broad oak strokes, if you will, um, things that can come from oak, uh, of course. Uh, but <laughs> other aromas associated include, but are not limited to, black olives, smoke, meat, liquor, licorice, not Twizzlers, like black licorice, clove, uh, the list goes on. But that's what makes this wine great. It's also uh, great because it doesn't compete in a blend as its aromas are often complementary to the aromas that are present in things like Grenache, Cabernet, or Viognier. Uh, it's almost always oaked, so you are going to get some oak characteristics that will also add to the tannin of your wine. Uh, but this wine is almost always incredibly great for food pairing, and it's helpful uh, because there are a lot of wines that struggle in uh, spiced foods, not spicy, not like hot, but I mean like spicy, like curries and stuff that have an intense amount of spices associated where this actually pairs really well. It's almost like how Gruner Veltliner uh, pairs is one of the few wines that pairs with asparagus. This is a really helpful wine when it comes to um, spiced foods. Um, but we're not going to jump into the spice foods yet. We're going to talk into my favorite, talk about my favorite, which is duck. Duck and Syrah are absolutely mesmerizing. Uh, you get a little bit of fattiness in your duck. And uh, often duck is going to have some sort of very cool, uh, like neat, neato um, flavor to it. It might even, you might even be doing like an orange glaze or something. And this will receive that very well. Um, but literally last night we were at uh, restaurant Constance and ordered a Cote that had Syrah in it. And then the San Joseph, which is hundred percent Syrah and had it with the red wine braised short ribs that were made uh tagine style. Uh, so more Moroccan and it like my eyes rolled into the back of my head. It was so beautiful in its pairing. Uh, and earlier today I noticed wine folly had a uh, post up about 
Shiraz Day, and they even suggested Sloppy Joes and Shiraz, which I think is a great idea because Sloppy Joes have that sort of like juiciness to them that so many Shiraz do, not necessarily Syrah, but Shiraz. And again, same grape, but as I said earlier, Shiraz, more hot climate and Syrah, more medium to cool climate. Um, But, you know, sometimes like I don't feel like freaking cooking, but everybody loves to put a cheese and charcuterie board together. So what would you do? I being the person that is in front of the microphone would tell you to open up a Northern own Syrah and don't leave out the duck sausage or any spiced meats. Like we kind of talked about then add jams that kind of um, match the black fruit. So maybe a blackberry jam, a spiced cherry jam, something that'll be nice and uh, uplifting for the fruit flavors. Uh, You could put some black olives on the board if you want to, but I would not put green olives necessarily. That might be kind of weird. Grab some rosemary Marcona almonds. I get them all the time from Trader Joe's. Um, And then for your cheese, you will want Gouda. You could do blue cheese, sharp cheddar, uh, any iteration of blue. Uh, Gorgonzola, for example, you could do. And you want harder cheeses, though, or some of the, not like overly stinky, but you could have a stinkier like the blue, and it'll be amazing. Um, and then uh, if you have, there's some spice, you know, I talked about Marcona almonds. There are some nuts that are tossed in spices. That would be really nice. Or a cheese that has a spiced rind would be fantastic as well. You will be very happy. So highly recommend that. So I gave you some pairings. Talk to you a little bit about the differences. So you're at the store. I'm going to take a sip of water because I'm really thirsty. I'm sorry. I'm going to actually mute for a second. And we're back. Um, So how do you shop for Syrah? Especially because I've talked a lot about old world. What am I supposed to look for on a label? Now, I will tell you that Syrah is not the cheapest wine in the world. Um, It's not. I mean, it can be really like really expensive, but it doesn't have to be. So uh, I am going to go through, and I'm not going to say it slowly because I want you to be able to write them down, but I'll list them in the uh, show notes as well. But uh, we're going to go by regions here so that you can go and find some things or hop on Vivino or call your favorite wine shop or whatever. You will find some names are very familiar to you and others maybe not so much, which is fine. We're going to start in France where you should always start your Syrah journey. And you'll see that some of these names are actually going to be familiar to you potentially for other wines you've had. Because Rhone, Rhone wine uh, growers or wineries out there, depending on how they're sourcing their grapes, um, will do a lot of different things. But um, So we're going to go through it. And so maybe you're familiar with some of these. But we've got Paul Jabolet. We've got M. Chapoutier. The, uh, Chapoutier, for those of you that are familiar with the textures of bottles, they actually do Braille on their labels, which is really cool. Uh, Jean-Louis Chave uh, from Northern Rhone, uh, especially Hermitage. I think they do Cote Roti. They do, of course, Saint-Joseph. Get your hands on JL Shab wines. They will change your change your everything. Uh, Gigal, uh, E-Gigal, G-U-I-G-A-L, um, all over the Rhone. Probably one of the largest producers out there. Um, not always growing everything that they bottle, depending on where they are in the hierarchy of per, uh, production. Uh, Chateau de Beaucastel, Domaine de Pigau, Pigau, sorry, Clos Saint-Jean, in the Rhone Valley. So those are all Rhone. And there's plenty more, but I'm just going to stop there. Uh, in California, in this broad California, I'm not getting like too into the weeds of like Santa Rita Hills. Just these are California. So Pax from Pax Mall, uh, Bedrock, Melville, on Andromeda. Andromeda is like really expensive. 
uh, Tensley, Stoltman. Stoltman was one of the first Syrahs I ever had. Like OG Syrah, really great stuff. Uh, for those of you that are huge into Prisoner, you um, may have even had this and might not have even known it was uh, Syrah, Syrah called Saldo, S-A-L-D-O. It's the one that's got like kind of a weird red label. It just like it just says Saldo at the top. So that's a great one. And then one of my favorites is Piedra Sassi. They make uh, really awesome Syrahs from a few different uh, AVAs in California. So uh, get your hands on Piedra Sassi if you can. Although the bottles are kind of stumpy. And you won't sign. You won't see them in uh, a lot of wine shops. You gotta really know where you're going. But get them; they're great. So uh, the list is really long, and I hate to stop there. But I do need to get through other regions because I also want to get this information to you quickly. Uh, up in Oregon, you've got Penner Ash, Tyrus Evan, uh, Martin Woods, and Abicella. And again, list goes on in Washington. Some of these might be more familiar, but Kay Vintners, Charles Smith, Gramercy Sellers, and Hedges down in Australia. Of course, you have Penfolds. But you also have Molly Duker, Henschke. Oh, Henschke is like $900 a bottle. So have fun with that. Uh, the Standish, Clarendon Hills, uh, I believe it's their Australis, uh, is their Shiraz. Uh, and anything by Ben Glatzer. I've actually got a couple bottles of his. And they're really cool because they're, um, they've got different names. Like we've got Amon Ra and Anna Perena. Uh, and so they're just beautiful labels too. Uh, so Ben Glatzer, those are super high alcohol too. <laughs> then you've got South Africa. With wines uh, from Detourin, Saxonburg, Hartenburg, Luddite, and Paul Wallace. We will not be talking about Jam Jar today, but if you like sweet wines, go check it out. Uh, no knock on it. I'm just not going to get into that because it's not on my list. So those are some of the producers. But uh, real quick, before we go too far uh, away from kind of how do you shop, because you'll see the labels but maybe you're like, I don't see Chapoutier, I don't see uh, Jabalay, or holy shit, this stuff's expensive. How do I know what's at least still Syrah, but maybe um, it's the cheaper stuff or more expensive? Uh, kind of generally going from most to least expensive regions. Uh, Hermitage, Cote Roti, uh, which translates roughly to the Roasted Coast. Uh, it's hot there. Uh, Saint-Joseph, Croze Hermitage, Cornas and Cote de Rhone. So Cote de Rhone also more representative of the southern part of France. And something I did not talk too much about, and I'm going to do it because we're about to get into some, actually some wrap up already. But in you, when you're in the Rhone, we've talked a lot about the Cote de Rhone. Um, the southern part of the Rhone is world renowned for its blending. Chateau Neuf de Pop, for example, has 13 different uh, grapes. I think it's 13 different uh, grapes that are available to be put into any bottle. Uh, really red or white. And I've actually had some Chateau Neuf de Pops that have all of them in there. But you'll hear a term in the Rhone that now carries around the world called GSM. And that stands for Grenache, Syrah, Morvedre. And that's the blend. It can be blended. It doesn't have to be, you know, mostly Grenache with some Syrah and a little bit of Morvedre. It can be a blend across the board. You'll see a lot of Grenache and Syrah only. You'll see Syrah and Morvedre. Uh, you can see all of those standalone as well. But that Southern Rhone is world renowned, as I said, for blending grapes uh, and putting some things you've never even heard of in there. Um, but that's what makes that whole region so cool. And then you go Northern Rhone, it is typically more of a single variety of grape in the bottle. But that is the region for Syrah. So it really is just a love fest of Syrah and Shiraz. And I'm not going to give away the farm here per se. Um, I highly recommend you give me a call and we set up a really fun 
Syrah tasting, but I'm going to tell you three different approaches I would take if I were to host a Syrah tasting. The first one would be called a blend of blends, and I would do a GSM, a Grenache Syrah Morvedra blend from the Rhone. I would do a Cab Shiraz from Australia, and I would do a GSM from California, like a Paso Robles area uh, or Central Coast. Again, something that gives you that blend so that you can see what's the difference between an old world and a new world uh, GSM, and then how Australia handles blending Cabernet and Shiraz together. Grab a bottle of Penfold. Uh, Bin 389. That is my favorite Grenache, or excuse me, uh, Cab Shiraz blend. It is killer. I think it's like 55, 45 Cab Shiraz. Uh, if you wanted, uh, the second tasting I would suggest is Best of the Northern Rhone. This one will be a little bit pricier, but you could probably get away, you could get three bottles of wine in hand for under 300 bucks. Uh, but I would do a San Joseph, a Cote Roti, and an Hermitage. Uh, and you'll, your mind will be blown. But if you don't like these, then you can give up on Syrah probably. And that's fine. Um, and then the third one would be called Syrah Three Ways. And I would do a Syrah Rosé from Provence or at least a Pro Provençal Rosé that has Syrah in it. Ideally heavy on the Syrah. Uh, I would do a sparkling Syrah from Washington State or Sh sparkling Shiraz from Australia. And then I would do a Central Coast Santa Rita Hills Syrah single varietal style so that you can experience that region really nicely. I mean, you could grab from any of the other ones I talked about that are, you could do the Northern Rhones, um, but this way, now you've kind of got visibility to nine different wines, GSM from Rhone, GSM from California, Cab Shiraz from Australia, San Josef, Cote Roti, Hermitage, Syrah Rosé, Sparkling Syrah or Shiraz, and Central Coast, Santa Rita Hills. So that's Syrah and Shiraz in a nutshell. Uh, I want you to, uh, be open-minded about it, please. Just shoot me a note if you have a question about it. Let's chat because this is a grape that's not going anywhere. Um, unfortunately, though, it just doesn't have the presence on the shelf that it should in a lot of places. But if you get going conversation with uh, people who love wine, you will find a lot of people who actually do love Syrah. Um, but honestly, too, it's a tough one because it is so distinctly different from certain regions. And because when you get to the old world, it's tough to know. Super Tuscans don't always list their grapes. French Rhone wines rarely ever list anything on their bottle. So you have to know what to shop for. Then you get out to count, like even the prisoner, Saldo. I don't even, I don't have the bottle in front of me. So I don't even know if it says it anywhere on the bottle. Um, so you don't even know your, like you could love a wine and not know until much later that it's great. Saxum makes great uh, Syrahs, but you know, that's also expensive. Um, so Give it a shot, or at least let me help you give it a shot. But ultimately, you do have to trust your palate. If you don't like black olives, if you don't like licorice, if you don't like smoky things, Syrah may not be the thing for you. But if we pair it right, it actually could be pretty freaking amazing. So you will find that uh, Syrah is an easy wine to talk about with a lot of people. So check it out. Thank you for joining me on this captivating journey through the world of Shiraz and Syrah. Be sure to... Um, Check out some of my fun memes I just put up about Syrah and Shiraz and tell your friends. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Uh, like I said, I recorded Cabernet. It may come out after this, but just ignore the fact that it said, this is the first of many episodes because this is the first of many episodes, actually. And I don't feel like editing that out later. It'll just be a fun little joke between all of us. So have a great night. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and cheers to you all and have more Syrah. Until next time. Thanks for listening. 
And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and YouTube at Psalm underscore four underscore the underscore day and Twitter and Facebook with fewer underscores but plenty of fun content. And also, whenever you want to have the most fun, super custom, unfancy or fancy wine experience, be sure to give me a call. I'll make you the Psalm for the day. Cheers. Rawr.